Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. That's me. And today we are doing the final episode of the 1999 bracket with eight movies. It's only been like two years. Okay. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> you're not allowed to talk anymore. I've removed your... I'm just going to mute you real quick here. It'll be a short episode. Yeah, it'll just be me deciding that The Matrix is one. And uh, <laughs> then Carolyn will not talk to me anymore. Uh, the movies we are talking about are Boys Don't Cry and All About My Mother, Peppermint Candy and the Iron Giant, Princess Bononoke and the Straight Story, and Bringing Out the Dead and Rat Catcher. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to let Carolyn start wherever she wants, or if you have anything you want to say before we start, you can go ahead and do that. It's up to yeah. you. Yeah. I guess, I mean, with this podcast, I didn't know where I should go. Like, should I go in with my mind made up and like hope you, you know, like and kind of battle to the death and make you change it for me or, um, you know, <laughs> kind of see where the conversation went. And, Pull like, knives out. Yeah. Or like see where the conversation went and then, you know, the decisions because we've had conversations before where the decisions have kind of like become clear throughout the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm just wondering, like, did you have a strategy going in? Because I uh, didn't. <laughs> Uh, yes, whatever you picked, I picked the opposite was my strategy. Mm. No, my, I had, uh, like, I'm sure you did as well. I had assumptions about movies that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I had assumptions about, movies, like, I was pretty confident when we started this. I think we said this last time that I was pretty confident that the Matrix and Fight Club were going to get to the final four and they haven't. They did not. I was also about some of these, for the movies in the eight, like, I was pretty confident that Ratcatcher would be here from what I'd. When I when we picked that from what I'd read about it, I was like, okay, if that movie's good, then it will probably be here. I had no, and I assumed the Iron Giant would get far as well because I've loved that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had no idea about all about my mother, the straight story, Peppermint Candy at all. They were just complete surprises for me. Even when we picked them on the bracket, it was like, okay, I'm sure those movies are are fine but i have no idea even what they are same with like when i heard bringing out the dead i had like negative reactions too but i there was a lot of to answer your direct question about like my strategy my strategy was to be like i guess pick the movie that i thought was that i enjoyed more regardless of if it was a better film or not because i think that's more important at least for me and i know that's like kind of very pretentious thing to say (laughs) but it also was like if I know, for example, we did this thing last time, it's like, I love, I turned, I had a complete turnaround from my previous time about Bo Trevi, but I also know it's not worth the fight when I, when you and I both like bringing out the dead, mm-hmm. for an example. It's just like, I'm not going to argue myself blue in the face for that one, because ultimately, I know Bo Trevi is not going to be like, I don't, th- I personally don't think it should win, so it's not something I'm going to put my entire effort behind and that just hasn't happened i haven't had a situation where we're like you want to get you don't like a movie that i think should win Mm -hmm. except for the matrix but um (coughs) how dare you i would say that yeah this is a good idea to kind of um you know remind everyone how we selected these movies and it wasn't based on what the best movies of 1999 were it was based on like you know you did a whole bunch of research made a whole list of like movies that came out in 99 that were either good or memorable or like changed mm-hmm. the game um memorable doesn't necessarily mean good i feel like that needs to be clarified <laughs> here um but just memorable like big movies um or memorable movies so that's kind of what it was based on and then 
where ratings came into play was you and I of this long list picked movies that we wanted to see or wanted to rewatch. And then, and then the ratings came into play to rank them. But that's to say this bracket was not made of the best movies of 1999. It was made of a selection of good ones, memorable ones, game changers, um, blockbusters, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with picking the ones that you like, even if they're not like the better movie. Um, I mean, yeah, there were points. Well, we we kicked American Beauty out pretty early, even though we can acknowledge it's a good movie, but we didn't like it because mm-hmm. of the Kevin Spacey stuff that has come out. It made us uncomfortable. That's not to say it's not a good movie. I'm sure it is, but it's hard to take those, you know, blinders off. So yeah, this whole thing is based on uh, nothing. It's complete fabrication and we just pick what we want to win. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All I'll add to that is that when I we made this big list, I went through and aggregated a like a arbitrary score from like the five big movie sites, rating sites, I should say, and then averaged those out. And then I put that number beside when we were picking films. So we had like some idea of like quality, I should say, mm-hmm. of being like, okay, this movie has like high scores it should probably be on the in this selection even though we don't know what it is mm-hmm. because it was obviously it was well received at the time and i mean as we've gone through this whole thing there's been movies that were well received at the time that are not well received now like mm-hmm. you said american beauty uh and there was other movies that one that made it this far that or a couple that made it this far that were scored a little lower that have aged better over time and i mean also it's like carolyn and i really only had like understood probably about like less than 10 of these movies maybe 10 movies of being like okay i we actually know what that movie is because it's still a part of our like culture mm-hmm. it's like yes obviously and i i think that is they're pretty easy to point out it's like the matrix and fight club like obviously karen and i had seen those before and they're like still movies that are talked about now and are like cultural touchstones mm-hmm. and that was more of my assumption of what like 99 movies were going to be mm-hmm but no, I think we did like a pretty okay job of getting movies. Uh, I do think obviously there are some that we've missed that who just that's how just how it happened. But I think we did a pretty good job of like at least making sure we got every movie. I don't feel like there's one that we've missed and been like shit that should have mm-hmm. been in the bracket. Um, I mean maybe, I mean there's more famous movies that we left out, but they wouldn't they wouldn't win, so it doesn't really matter. But that's what's so interesting is some movies that almost didn't even make it into the bracket are now in our final. <laughs> like of the number of this final bracket that I had heard of before, it's very few. Like yes. three. It was three movies that I'd heard about before. Um, was the final eight? Yeah, in the final eight, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Only three. Mm-hmm. Which makes me feel, and I feel, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't, uh, I think two of those might be going out in the, out in this round would be mm-hmm. my at least that's where I think I'm leaning. Uh, there are, as with when we do with any bracket, there are movies that I wish that could have gone further. Uh, and then I'm happy that I saw and it's just ultimately a numbers game and they can't be that far. And then that how we arbitrarily did the draw as well as just like sometimes it's just, you know, this is where this movie got ended up and they ran into a harder, a harder one than others and that's just how it works in all brackets and anything. It's not like we just get to do a ranking of 1 to 64 because I think that would be pretty different than these eight would be up near the top, but I don't think it would be this would not be the 1 to 8 order. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I definitely think uh, 
Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace would be in here. So, Absolutely. You know, I got to make concessions now for when I uh, <laughs> stomp stomp on you later and just decide that I am right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have the editing power and I could kick you off of this document. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> so here's the question: um, Do you think any of these movies, not necessarily, don't deserve to be here, but? had an easier go when they went against other films as they moved through the the bracket. Um yeah, I think uh The Iron Giant had a pretty easy ride. Like I honestly think if we didn't find out the David O. Russell stuff, I think Three Kings probably would have gone through over The Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. At least on like quality of film um mm-hmm. or like movie that I enjoy more, but then you find out like David O. Russell's like a piece of shit and that movie is like weird and that was close anyway and i love the iron giant i want to make that sure make that Mm -hmm. clear that i I love it but also it's like that the eight it was like lock stock and two smoking barrels gin row the wolf brigade american movie cruel intentions election three kings the iron giant and pokemon like that's not super strong as Mm -hmm. compared to um the 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 one below it i'll just go princess mononoke the 13th floor South Park following Sixth Sense Girl Interrupted, The Wind Will Carry Us, Existence. Like, I know there's, like, worse movies in there, mm-hmm. but, like, Girl Interrupted, The Wind Will Carry Us, and Princess Mononoke, that's very tough. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Those movies kind of got a raw deal. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I feel like the other seven, with maybe the exception of Boys Don't Cry, mm-hmm. I feel like those others are fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like any movie that got left behind... Or has got shouldn't be here? No. I mean, of the eight, I do think there are some weaker than others. But I think that they got here, you know, pretty justifiably, you know, with who they beat. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just the way it turned out. They can't. Once we made the order, it's not, we can, like, be like, oh, well, I really wish The Wind Will Carry Us made it further. So I'm just going to move it into where the Iron Giant is. It's like that doesn't work. That I mean, we did do that twice, but... <laughs> Wait, what? No, we didn't. The racket always went out. What are you talking about? We, we Ghost Dog and the Mission went against each other twice, and there was no movies down there. Nope. And uh, uh, Blair Witch <laughs> did some witchcraft and made its way back in. Hey, that movie's about the supernatural. It can't be trusted. No, it's true. It did it itself. It wasn't us. <laughs> um, But, I mean, we did, but that was because more of, like, we didn't like either of the other movies mm-hmm. where... It's just if we were doing like a one to ten ranking of films, mm-hmm. I don't know if the Iron Giant would be in the top ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just to put like an example on on it, I love that film, but I think there are other films. Mostly, it's there's. I find myself constantly looking back to the Mononoke bracket of being like, there's a lot of movies in there that I like a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, and wish they got further yeah whereas the other ones i don't know i'm just running through like a quick thing i guess the one that i think probably should have gotten way further than it did and we might have said this last time but is the sixth sense i don't know that we did say that last time because it went out on the first round and it's i don't know i could see that movie here if it got like if if we sub that out for the if it switched places with the iron giant yeah. Like I think the sixth sense would probably be in the final eight. Yeah. Well that's that's the thing that's difficult. There's a few of these I look at them and I'm like, oh, that's what we decided, really. Um, 
but maybe I would need to rewatch them both and then be like, oh, yeah, that's what we decided. Like, that is one of them, um, Girl Interrupted versus Sixth Sense. And um, what were some of the other ones? Uh, Fight Club versus Boys Don't Cry. Like, yeah. things like that. I'm sitting there being like, huh, really? But then I think if we rewatch them, I might come to the same conclusion. Because <laughs> yeah. now it's not based on a fresh watch of it. It's based on my memories of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be interesting. Yeah, I kind of feel uh, the same the same way about it. Like there's, I would also say there's probably like 20 movies on here that I really enjoy mm-hmm. and would recommend that people watch. Uh, and there's probably only about less than 10 or maybe even less than five that I think are just terrible. And that could be just <laughs> because I've forgotten some and being like, don't watch it. It's not worth your time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of them are like, even if they're bad, like Deep Blue Sea, it's still enjoyable. Oh God, it's so fun. Yeah. So even like some on that level would be like, yeah, I mean, watch it, but like you're just going to laugh at it the whole time and it's it's fine. In reality, mm-hmm. it's like it's a totally fine movie. It's just a little ridiculous. Whereas Excuse me, it's a, a great movie. Yeah, I'm sorry for uh, I also love that film. It's so good. I wish there was more movies like that made, honestly. Me too. Is that, I'd be like, yeah. Also, it's like, you know, I watched it a lot on TNT. So <laughs> that's how it goes i i do think also there we, i'm glad we got rid of tarzan early because you know just not about it i don't Rude. i don't like your childhood <laughs> but no it's a i think we can do you want to start or do you have anything else you want to say yeah no let's get into it and um just because it's been a while since we talked about a few of these um i'll just read the synopsis before we get into each one to remind people what they're about since we're talking about lots of movies today um why don't we start with the um Boys Don't Cry, All About My Mother side of things. Okay, go ahead. Sure. So Boys Don't Cry, that is the um, Kimberly Pierce uh, written and directed um, film starring Hilary Swank, Chloe Savini, Peter Skarsgård, other people. Um, A young man named Brendan Tina navigates love, life, and being transgender in rural Nebraska. And that's against All About My Mother, which is the Pedro Almodovar film um, young Esteban wants to become a writer and also to discover the identity of his second mother, a trans woman, carefully concealed by his mother, Manuela. So it's an interesting matchup here how it shook out, actually, because uh, both of these films were definitely um, ahead of their time, like not necessarily things we would see frequently in the 90s. And um, there, there's uh, trans issues and representation in both as well. So I'm kind of glad it shook out this way. Yeah, you you said who directed All About My Mother, right? Yeah, Kimberly Pierce. No, that's... Oh, wait, sorry. Pedro Amadovar, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, they strangely, both dealing with 90s... I guess we found the two 90s movies that were dealing about trans issues, and they just so happened to be placed, placed in the same place uh, mm-hmm. by pure happenstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we've talked a lot about Boys Don't Cry mm-hmm. because of the, the Fight Club and stuff, the Fight Club and the Blair Witch Project where we actually had to, it had two tougher matches where all about my mother, both of you and I were just like, yeah, obviously it's better than the mummy. Yeah. Obviously it's better than man on the moon. Yes. It had a pretty easy ride. That's not to say not a deserved ride, but definitely an easier ride. No. And I, 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 I personally think that all about my mother should go through. Yes, me too. This is one of the few, um, that I had less trouble in my brain. Like I mainly went into it being like, okay, let's chat about them, see what shakes out. But of this matchup, I also think all about my mother should go through. Mm-hmm. 
mostly because like as we've said about boys don't cry before is that it is uh pretty i mean both these films are pretty depressing and mm-hmm. that i just find boys don't cry is like there's a there's parts of the the movie where it is so obviously like a tiny budget indie and they didn't have a lot of money and they didn't have a lot of time to film this so they were trying to cram it together and sometimes you just have to go with what you get mm-hmm. it's like we can't reshoot it it's fine we'll just we'll fix we'll get it we got it done and the movie still works and it's still great but i oh, but i do worry that there is like a lot of how do i phrase this properly is that there's a very very brutal assault scene that is a pretty long part of the film that doesn't need to be shown the way it's shown in the film, but it's also 99 and it's a whole thing and movies have gotten better about showing that. It's just, mm-hmm. I also feel like it is like, whereas both these movies are dealing about like sadness and loss, Boys Don't Cry to me, and this is splitting hairs between them, is that it verges on more trauma porny. Mm-hmm, definitely. Is, is like this person is going through this trauma and it, very common in storytelling is that if there is a, a queer or trans person in a film, the way to make people sympathize with them is that they have incre- like all of this shit and trauma happens to them. Mm-hmm. And then people like would be like, oh, then you empathize because you're like, that sucks, right? Without mm-hmm. and like, like that just is such a common trope for characters in fiction. Haven't you forbid you empathize because they're people? Yeah, yeah. They don't get the. They just don't get to like. Exi- like there hasn't been films even now there hasn't been very many films where they just get to like exist and not mm-hmm. be dealing with the the sadness and trauma and all all of that whereas like with all about me mummer uh, mummer all about my mother it is obvious like it is never the trans issues are not the issue in that mm-hmm. film right like they're just those people just exist in the movie and mm-hmm. it is like an accepted part of the culture and that they're fine and everybody's like yeah okay these people are these are my friends i enjoy spending my time with them uh it is still like but the trauma in that film is more personal and it's more of just a loss that the main character just has to deal with right and it kind of spurs her on to find the their their ex-partner mm-hmm. and then they go through a journey essentially whereas that's kind of where i'm at on it and also i just think all about my mother is like a better film yeah i find that um all about my mother kind of takes on a lot more things like it's not like this is a film about transness it's like it's about family and identity and motherhood and like sex work and you know a whole bunch of things like that and nothing hits you over the head it's like the audience has to fill in the blanks themselves and kind of understand these relationships and draw their own conclusions. Whereas Boys Don't Cry is packaged in a very um, kind of Hollywoody way, in that it's like a very linear narrative, and it's a, it's a bit not a lot, but it is a bit spoon feedy in that like there's good guys, there's bad guys, there's a love story, there's murder. Like it's less nuanced, um, and it's told in a in a very simple way. Whereas All About My Mother half the time you're like, who is this character? Like no one's introduced properly and everything. Like it definitely has a more like independent feel and a more international film feel. Um, And I like that. I like that a lot better. Yeah. That's kind of where I, I align as well. And all about my mother is made by one of the greatest living filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And you can see that quality when, when you watch the film and, I do believe that the Boys Don't Cry director should be allowed to make more films. 
mm-hmm. but their film is just not in the in the same league, really. And yeah. I kind of feel that way about like any every movie that Boys Don't Cry beat. It's the same thing. It's just that although my mother is, at least to me, like obviously one of the best movies that came out this year. It watching mm-hmm. it again, it it is still just as affecting. And what I love most about that film is like it's how quiet and still it is at points and allows room for the characters to like just breathe and relax mm-hmm. and it's almost like there's mundane parts in the film and it just allows you to be like oh this is these are just actually the people they just get yeah, to be more like real life which yeah, they is get... crazy actually because boys don't cry was about real life <laughs> yeah it's a true story but it, like maybe that's just the hollywood version of that and then the non-hollywood version because mm-hmm. all but mother was made in spain yeah that's true and uh, I mean, this poor director, um, I watched This Changes Everything, which is a documentary about women in the film industry and that sort of thing. And the director of Boys Don't Cry, that was her first feature. And then she wasn't able to make another movie for another nine years because sexism. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like an Academy Award nominated um, film and you can't direct another one for so long. So She's it's not astounding. the first one that's happened to. Nope. And won't be the last. No. Uh, okay, I think we should move over to Peppermint Candy and the Iron Giant because we've kind of already said our opinion on the Iron Giant. Of it, mm-hmm. Or at least I explicitly said. And kind of the same thing with this one is that um, Peppermint Candy is a great international feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Iron Giant, since I used it as an example of a movie that kind of got <laughs> lucky Sorry. to be placed against the movies it got placed against. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love it. I adore it. I think it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. I just don't, yeah. it's just not in the same league as Peppermint Candy. So a reminder for folks, um, I mean, I think everyone knows the Iron Giant, but it's uh, the Brad Bird, um, I think it's a Disney cartoon. Um, a young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space that a paranoid government agent wants to destroy, and that takes place at kind of in the Cold War era. And then Peppermint Candy is directed and written by Chang Dong Lee. Following a man's suicide, time traverses back to reveal six chapters of his life on why he committed suicide. Um, which is a, a kind of a simplified way to say that, but that is, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty accurate, I guess. So, yeah, it's a uh, that's a pretty heavy synopsis, and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, do I want to watch this film? Mm-hmm. But again, it's just I think this is like where the Iron Giant's like limitations on the story it is trying to tell are are shown. Is that I've said it before, but I think the Iron Giant is as well made as it can be. Yeah, I mean, I love the animation. It's kind of this Art Deco style of the, you know, 40s wartime propaganda kind of thing. And I think it is a kid's movie that adults can actually be honest when they say they enjoy it. And I do think it really, really holds up. Um, That said, I mean, we have a kid's movie about a robot against a movie about suicide. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) that is true. It's like, hmm, uh... But the kids movie is not is also dealing with like it's not treating kids like idiots. It's, yes, it's dealing with like real issues, and it has a bunch of other like things there. Like obviously, like there's no real. It's like I don't really remember, and this could be maybe because I just don't watch a lot of animated films. But I don't really remember another movie having like a single parent in an animated film. Mm-hmm. Um, usually because the parents just die at the beginning of animated films, or they just don't even show them. Or they don't, they're not really characters, or they're just kind of like exist, you know, 
kind of for the kid, but not really. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I just, yeah, I just, I just find Peppermint Candy to be such a superior film to The Iron Giant. And that's why I think it should go through. And Yeah. I think for me, the successes in Peppermint Candy really are in like, it's a bit of a risky format, um, telling a whole story in reverse, but I think it's really interesting and kind of boundary pushing. Like, I love the chapters. We're so used to seeing like quick flashbacks and and they keep flashing back to the same part. But I really like that it's just six chapters and you're just told the whole story in reverse. I think that's really, really cool. And they Mm -hmm. don't mind making these characters like willing to be, I don't know, they're willing to be unlikable. Very unlikable. Yeah. And it's just a really ambitious film. That said, I mean, you can kind of see that it's early in this director's career. Like there is some like less finessed um, elements, but I just, I love the format and the structure of the story so much. And it's, it's really unique. And I think this came out 20 years ago and we still don't really see stuff in this um, structure. So yeah, it's No, it's hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, it's a good, it's like a perfect, it's like, I know this isn't a biopic, but it would be like, this is how people should make biopics is it just finds like the six most interesting points of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Or six most interesting points that like explain this person mm-hmm. and be like, this is what we're going to tell and this is what we're going to focus on. And we're really only going to focus on one character and everybody else is kind of tertiary. Mm-hmm. They're not really characters. They all serve to make the main character more interesting. Mm-hmm. And they just, he nailed And like you said, it, it is a, yeah, you can tell that the director is still growing. Like it's not perfect. Yeah. But it is incredibly well done. But watch Burning, and then you'll find a, a good movie by the same director. Oh, my God. Burning's incredible. <laughs> Which one of the next ones do you want to do? Well, let's pop back to the uh, the other side of the bracket with um, Bringing Out the Dead and Ratcatcher. So a bit of a reminder on those. So Bringing Out the Dead is the Scorsese, Nicolas Cage film. Um, haunted by the patients he failed to serve, a monumentally burned out Manhattan ambulance paramedic fights to maintain his sanity over three increasingly turbulent nights. And then that is against Ratcatcher, which is uh, out of Glasgow. So that's directed by Lynn Ramsey and stars Tommy Flanagan. That's the guy with the big scars on his face. Um, and then <laughs> a bunch of people that I don't know. Um, yeah, a bunch of children. Yeah, literally on the IMDb page, it's like he has a photo next to him and everyone else has like that like anonymous account bubble. Yeah. Um, a naive young lad navigates the dirty, squalid streets of 1973 Glasgow and the poor youth around him. So that's the one that takes place during the uh, the garbage strike that we didn't know existed. Yeah, and had no idea that that was a thing that happened to people in the mm-hmm. UK or in Glasgow. So uh, we, I feel like I've talked a lot about Bringing Out the Dead and how much mm-hmm. we both like it and how much we haven't really even touched about Ratcatcher. We're just like, this movie's better. We just <laughs> um, don't talk about Ratcatcher. <laughs> we're like, yeah, this movie's so much better, guys. This is, again, even though it's like, I was completely surprised by Bringing Out the Dead. I've said this before. It kind of got middling reviews when it came out. And I was like, uh, Scorsese, Cage, mm-hmm. what are we really doing here? It's not a well-known Scorsese film. So I was like, okay, I'm not expecting anything great. I was kind of going into this expecting a movie at the level of Summer of Sam, the Spike Lee movie that we watched. Yeah, it's a good director, but not their good film. But And it's interesting. But it's like, oh, okay, yeah. this is kind of a miss for them. Yeah. And I was completely wrong with that assumption. Man, I didn't like I, that film at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's like good parts in it. And it's like my memory is somewhat the same as I think I like it more than I actually liked it at the time. Because the, the things I remember from it are the things I enjoyed. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. was an interesting try from everybody involved. But it mm-hmm. didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of messy. And I, that's where my head was for this. And I was like, can I go into it? And I was like, okay, 
kind of got that vibe early. And then as the movie went on, I was like, oh, no, this is just actually great. And it's uh, maybe it's just because we went when I watched it, it was very impactful dealing mm-hmm. with like an overwhelmed medical system. Yeah. And mental health and trying to find your place in the world as an adult doing a job that or this guy went into this job liking the job and now he hates his job. He's very disenfranchised with it. It's interesting. They take on so much in this movie, like how people handle trauma and stress, Like, because each of the three partners he has do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of stigma around like homeless people and drug users and stuff like that, which like, I mean, I live in Toronto. That's a that's a thing you see every day, um, the, the stigma around that. So yeah, it really holds up. You're right. Yeah, and like a lot of the issues that the movie we're talking in is like issues that we're still dealing with today. Like like you said, how you treat with homeless people and people suffering from addiction, and it's like mm-hmm. those people are not treated that much differently now. It's just mm-hmm. that I feel like there is a greater, more people understand that the proper way to deal with addiction is not punishment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if only there was, you know, a bunch of empty houses that are only used for short-term rentals that we could put people in. But that doesn't (laughs) exist in society. No. But it also deals with, like, how... it. I like how it also shows, like, how a stressful job and dealing with other people's trauma will wear you down and give you your own trauma. And then having to deal with this and, like, what do you do to... How do you keep doing a job that is important but but has burned you you out Mm -hmm. and is killing you? And it's like, you need more than two weeks off. Like this is a job that you can only do for so long or they have to have better shift management and Mm -hmm. understanding of burnout and how essentially you're give everybody who does this job is getting a form of PTSD. Oh, hundred percent. Like, and and you see it in all the partners, like the one guy basically gets his kicks by like beating people up and stuff, you know, like it's, yeah, he, he releases his trauma through violence. Yeah. And, and so I do like that they showed it that way that like, um, Nicholas Cage is the kind of through line, but, but you see other people too. And what I love about this is they don't over explain anything. You know, no. you could just watch it as like a quirky film and you're like, Oh yeah, look at it. These are weird characters he deals with, especially since he's like, you never really know what's real and what's in his head and that sort of thing. But I mean, it has a lot of meaning and, and, substance to it it does uh and it is like it's a messy film too like there's parts that i'm not uh super into like i don't mm-hmm. really feel like there's any any chemistry between nicholas cage and Patricia arquette and i don't really believe in that she's relationship the worst part of the movie like she I, is. she's the only for me she's the the only bad thing about the movie yeah, she's not good no. um and I wish there was a different performer in that role because then maybe it would work better. It could also just be the way that character is written and how they exist in the movie. They kind of, it in my mind, it's like they don't fit almost. Mm-hmm. But then everything that her storyline, the, the places that they go with her, mm-hmm. those places exist in the movie. Yep. But it's her character. I don't know. And also it's like, I, I do think they were intended to be like, is she real a lot yeah. of the time? But it, it just doesn't work for me, and mm-hmm. I kind of it kind of brings it down, and also it doesn't really matter. Like the, that character doesn't really matter for the main character's ultimate uh, place where they end. Mm-hmm. Of they just need to be quiet, and they sleep? just want yeah, they just want sleep, and they just need to be like cared for essentially. And like that could literally be anybody. It doesn't need to be like this weird this woman that he's putting a lot of pushing a lot of his trauma onto. 
being like, here, carry my water instead of going to therapy. Yeah, I thought they were trying to shoehorn in a love story and like, and they weren't. But the fact that I thought they were trying to was distracting from the actual film. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want this. I don't need this in this yeah. film. You're talking about so much more. Um, so that's, that is the negative for it is that a whole plot line and character, which is a big part of the movie exists and is kind mm -hmm. of a drag. I guess we should talk about Ratcatcher, a movie Final. that's not talking about any issues that we're still going on with today. Just nothing, yeah. nothing in common with, you know, homelessness or poverty or how, you know, governments exploit large swaths of people because they are essentially forgettable. Yeah. And they just don't take care of their people, even though they're literally living in trash. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard not to talk about politics with these movies specifically because that is mm -hmm. directly what they're commenting on. Mm -hmm. And especially Ratcatcher is like, hey, the profit-driven motive of everything and trying to like get margins for every single thing and on everybody's wages of public employees leads to shit like this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, maybe you should just pay these people more so you don't have an entire community and communities of people living in 10 weeks of trash and oh mm -hmm. by the way they also don't have running water and they oh, don't have not. toilets inside their building and it is incredibly violent and lots of crime happens in a place like this and there is no police presence which mm -hmm. is normal that's mm -hmm. expected because these people are not considered worth spending the time on by the people higher up when they are because there are children whose lives are getting affected which is what this movie's about and comparing this to bringing out the dead there is not a part of rat catcher that i watch and i'm like i don't like this it doesn't shouldn't yeah. be in the movie it was very well paced and structured and like things that you didn't like there's multiple things going on there was kind of the whole backdrop of the era and the time um but it doesn't like over explain it or anything like that like if you wanted to watch this and just see a film about like young boys, um, you could. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I kind of like that. I like that it wasn't a film like about the garbage strike. It's um, it was about people. It's a film about people at the end of the day. Um, what's interesting too about this film though is similar to Bringing Out the Dead. It also has some parts that you're like, is this real? Is this a dream? Yeah. Which is, uh, it, you know what? It's interesting how this bracket is shaken out. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Both of these movies end in a way that is ambiguous and you don't mm -hmm. really know. Uh, or it's up to you to decide for mm -hmm. what happens with that character. I like it as well. I, I mean, I've said this many times. I completely adore Ratcatcher. I'm surprised both of these movies have not been talked about more, if I'm honest. And it's yeah. the really the, the, what, the what's splitting it for me is that Bringing Out the Dead has an entire plot line that I think is bad and Ratcatcher doesn't. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. What's annoying is I think both of these films, people would talk about them if they came out now. They would. I mean, Scorsese's made lots of movies and has gotten lots of praise. He doesn't need more praise, but I would like to see him do more movies like this. Mm -hmm. Instead of it feels like a lot lately and maybe these are the only the Scorsese movies I've seen with the exception of silence, but they always feel like they're tealing, talking about like gangsters or yeah. crime adjacent people, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I love Scorsese's crime movies, mm -hmm. but at some point it's like, I, I I'd like to see him stretch his muscles a little bit more. And he did that with silence, a movie that I enjoy, but it is very much dealing with like uh, religion mm -hmm. and 
relationship to religion, which I'm just going to be like, that's not super interesting to me. I don't really care about that stuff, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find a paramedic dealing with people in New York more interesting, at least to me. Uh, and I just wish Lynn Ramsey made movies more often, but she takes a lot of time to make her films, and that's her process. But I you want, want her. Yeah, I, I would like her to be like a huge movie director. And she only makes yeah. what she wants to make when she wants to make it, which is her choice. But I, man, I'm like, this is how good you are with your first one. Yeah. You want more from her and you want different from him. Yeah. And it's just, you know, <laughs> Scorsese has been, al- has been allowed to do everything he wants to do. My problem with Scorsese is that he's never really felt like a director for me. And for that reason, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Wait, what? what I don't understand. He makes rom-coms. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, the Haven't you is, seen it's Goodfellas? Like, it's a movie about love. <laughs> he seems like an old white man who makes movies about white men. Like gangster That's films. True. And like sportsy films. Like, I don't know. He just, he, yeah, it's it's not... Weirdly enough, Bringing Out the Dead is a film where he actually talks about something. And I feel like all of these other films, he doesn't. Like, they're just like mob boss movies. Uh, with yeah. cool protagonists, sure. Like I know all. I, I can quote Taxi Driver. I've never seen it. I don't know what it's about. I can quote it. Same oh, with taxi- Goodfellas. Like he has cool protagonists um, who are rough around the edges and swear a lot and whatever. But like he doesn't make movies about things. <laughs> the protagonist of Taxi Driver is not cool. Okay. Scorsese, like yes, makes movies lots about like white men, but it is always about like a certain type of man, and it's more about their place in America, essentially. But I'm tired of talking about white men and their place in America. You know what I mean? Yes, I yes, I agree with you. It's been made too much, but Scorsese's also been making movies since like the 70s, mm-hmm. so he's kind of come with that generation. If that's what if those are the movies Scorsese wants to make, then he should make them. But mm-hmm. what I will say about him is he does, since he has so much power and influence in Hollywood now, one of the greatest filmmakers of his generation, right? And he's a huge name, and he's one of the few directors who, like, Scorsese's just going to make a movie, and it's going to be shown in theaters because of who what who, who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does use his name to attach it to smaller directors whose movies you would not normally think of being, like, a movie Scorsese would be interested in to get mm-hmm. those movies made and to get them released wide so people can see them. Uh, the most recent example of this is he helped uh, the souvenir get distributed, mm-hmm. the Joanna Hogg movie, and he was like, he is a huge supporter of her and wants to help her make more movies. So he does do that, mm-hmm. and I do that. I <laughs> maybe I'm giving him too much credit here, but it, it is nice to see that a director is more of like hey these are the stories that i can tell i can't Mm -hmm. tell your stories so i'm just going to help you get your story out there Mm -hmm. instead of there's other male directors that are like oh okay but i'm just going to tell this story even though i'm not the one who should be telling this story yeah like i have no problem with him as a man i just don't watch any of his movies because they're not for me that's totally fine Mm -hmm. like that's fine scorsese make movies for men that's what they've always been and but that's the thing if uh, if they were more like bringing out the dead, maybe Scorsese would be the director for me. I mean, you love Hugo, though. I've never seen Hugo. You love... I don't know another movie he did that's not a gangster movie that I haven't already mentioned. <laughs> yes. Uh, he also, he does a lot of good mu- music docs, actually. I love a good music doc. You do. You haven't shut up about the Billie Eilish doc. Which I definitely saw, yep. Yeah, you know who that is, I'm sure. 
I know who Billie Eilish is. I don't live under a rock. That's a lie. You live under a rock like how that man rides a lawnmower. Who? How that man rides a lawnmower. What is this a reference to? Straight story. Did you not watch the movie? Oh. Is this a big... <laughs> no, I was, not in, uh, I was not in straight story mindset. But okay, I are, you, like... are you there now? Yes, we can head over there because obviously Ratcatcher wins. Uh, yes, it's yes, it obviously wins. <laughs> so Princess Mononoke is a Hayao Miyazaki film that I feel like most people have heard of. And it's adapted. Um, the original story was by Miyazaki and then adapted for English by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Anyways, on a journey to find the cure for uh, Tatarigami's curse... Ashitaka finds himself in the middle of a war between the forest gods and Tatara, a mining colony. In this quest, he also meets Sen, the Mononoke Hime. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of words that I don't understand. Um, versus the straight story, which is the Disney David Lynch film that we keep um, really harping on that <laughs> concept there. An old man makes a long journey by lawnmower to mend his relationship with an ill brother. Yes. So what I will say is that I think Carolyn obviously knows where I'm re- leaning in this one, being that Mononoke was one of my number ones. But you've been a big Straight Story stan. I have been. And I do think Straight Story might have the best performance out of any of these movies in the bracket in it. Yes, by Richard Farnsworth. Yeah, it is the one that most, maybe most emotion. It is definitely the one that most emotionally affects me. Mm-hmm. And is so powerful and kind of lifts the rest of the movie up on his shoulders and is really only as good because of how good he is in it. If he is not as good as he is, this movie doesn't... If if he is not as good as he is, this movie doesn't work, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. It's more of just like, cool, that's a fine, charming, ultimately uh, empty calorie film. Well, that's the thing. It is a road movie at the end of the day. If you like those, you'll like this. I like road movies. I liked this. It's a great road movie. If you don't like road movies, you won't like this film. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. But I do, even if you don't like road movies, I think you will just, people will just be pulled in by Richard Farnsworth's performance and how, yeah. but he, and he's so much better than everybody else in this film. And again, they're not really characters. They're just exist to further his story. Mm-hmm. But they all are, he's just blowing everybody out to sea, essentially. It's just like, my God, this man is so good. And I still see his eyes. I do. His, he has these huge, his eyes feel like they're huge in the film. And they're, he's got like big cow eyes, big sad cow eyes. They feel like so much history and so much story and so mm-hmm. much life is in those eyes. And he knows that his life is, I think we talked about before, the actor was actually innocent and replaces the character of mm-hmm. like living in chronic pain, terrible mm-hmm. pain, and have been dealing with a lot of loss in his life. But his eyes are, so powerful in this film but again it's like that is you take him against if it's just him against any movie he wins yeah but the rest of the movie is so simple and kind of gets out of the way for his performance and it's just about this man's journey which is exactly what it should do that's what makes the film work but yes compared to a rich and complex princess mononoke yes the straight story is like a pretty straightforward story what it's, yes, wow, I did it. I beat you to it. And you didn't even mean to. You kind of stumbled into that one. No, I meant to. <laughs> I made sure that you knew what I knew what I was doing. So mm-hmm. suck it. It ultimately isn't saying much about the rest of the world. Yes. Whereas Princess Mononoke is a movie that actually grapples with 
how complex intercommunity relationships actually are mm-hmm. and at how some point like conflict is unavoidable and at what point are good intentions not enough of a cover for people's actions mm-hmm. it's like yes you go in with good intentions and some of the things you have done are the right thing but you're still causing a lot of pain and destruction because of your actions mm-hmm. is that mean it's still good that what like intermediary being like a a person in the middle between a conflict, what is that person's responsibilities? And is it the right thing to do? Even though, yes, stopping, trying to stop people from fighting is the right thing to do. But when you're in the middle of a fight, is it the right thing to do? Yeah. And at what point is like, like that's, I, I love Prince Tanoki because it's asking those questions and I legitimately don't have an answer for them. I don't know. It's kind of where I end up is that Ashitaka is a man who is just trying to do, he's trying to stop and essentially an extinction uh, stop a slaughter from happening mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of morality in this film but is he does that make him just essentially is like are his actions justified or are his actions the right thing and it's like it's very complicated and I, I i don't have an answer the movie is definitely saying leaving it ambiguous and also being like ashitaka is not handling this properly even though he is doing the hero arc mm-hmm. it's kind of bullshit right mm-hmm. he's not t- considering other people's points of view fully Mm -hmm. and it's gonna go through uh over the straight story because of those questions um well and also it comes down to like a tractor versus a noodle monster and the noodle monster definitely wins (laughs) yeah uh i just mostly what i want to say about that is that just put more praise on richard farnsworth yes so who wins this bracket is Richard Farnsworth in Princess Mononoke. Wow, it's over. Thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> really enjoyed but no, but for it. For real, like Princess Mononoke, um, from a story and structure point, yes, it, it asks really complicated questions. And honestly, like the animation also wins huge points here. Um, oh, it's beautifully animated. Yeah. I mean it's really cheating because this film did come out in nineteen ninety seven, but came out in nineteen ninety nine over here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It did. It didn't come out until North America until 99. Yes. Which is what were the rules for our bracket. Yes. That's true. That is true. We also have other movies that came out in like, didn't release wide until 2000. Yeah. But film festival in 1999. Yeah. Basically, we uh, made the rules apply where we wanted them to. <laughs> yeah. We, it was a fluid situation. Yes. So do you want to do which which one of these next two do you want to the final four? I, I I'll say the final four are all about my mother against Ratcatcher and Peppermint Candy against Princess Mononoke. Are you sure that Blair Witch didn't reappear? Because I mean, like you said, it's a fluid situation. Whoa, it's changing. It's suddenly <laughs> Blair Witch versus Boys Don't Cry. And mm-hmm. wow, Ghost Dog mm-hmm. and the Mission. <laughs> Blair Witch already lost to Boys Don't Cry. <laughs> but now it's going to beat it. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Yes. Uh, which side? Hmm. Let's go back to all about my mother and Ratcatcher. You're okay. right. We uh we did at one point earlier in this bracket predict <laughs> that it was gonna be all foreign films, all foreign films, and actually these four foreign films. We that did. said, while we were watching it, I was like, oh, I don't know. Some of these do have a chance to. Some of these really surprised us, and they did have a chance to get some strong competition. And I think the other four of the final eight were strong competition. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, these guys just kind of came out a little bit on top. I think these are clearly the four best movies mm-hmm. in the entire bracket, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Turns out we like foreign films. Maybe it's because they were just better in this year. <laughs> I do think if we switched, if any of these were four were put in any of the other four's positions, I think they would still get to this point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Or that's how I feel about it anyway. I am leaning. I think one of these is easier than the other. One of these two decisions. All right. Which one? Uh, I already see which one you highlighted. Um, <laughs> I accidentally almost just changed it to bringing out the dead. <laughs> oh. I am going to say, I think All About My Mother is a tremendous film mm-hmm. and is very moving. And I love its stillness and its compassion of dealing with grief and trauma and how life continues after that and how you just have to go on from terrible tragedy and find something to live for. Mm -hmm. And I also like how it is an entirely female driven film about female friendship and companionship and how women help each other through trauma and loss. And also for 99, like, We've said this before, but it's way ahead of its time. Like, oh, incredibly what other films are for fully about female people and transgender people, and like, and talking about those experiences, not in a negative way, and without judging them. Yes, we don't see these films now. Yeah, there's lots of characters in All About My Mother that their profession is sex work. Yep, and there is no judgment of them. They're actually kind of like idolized in this film of being like, wow, that person's, everyone's like, oh yeah, she's, she's great because yeah. she's fucking great at sex. Yeah. Uh, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's knows what she's doing. And it's like, even conventionally, what you would assume in this movie presents you as like conventionally straight masculine men mm-hmm. are being like, yes, I want to be with this woman mm-hmm. because of how powerful she is and how strong she is. And not just mm-hmm. because of how attractive she is. Right, it is more of like, and I, that's so, I, I love that. It's incredible. And like you said, those movies don't really exist now, even now. Yeah. Just even like a positive outlook on sex work is. Rare. Yes. But Ratcatcher, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at is that, and I'm splitting hairs here, but I did find there was moments in All About My Mother of the people just existing that I would just kind of just vibe with the movie and mm-hmm. be like, oh, like, let your mind wander, which I think is the intention. Yeah. It's supposed to be a slice of life, right? Yeah. But with Ratcatcher, I was so singularly focused every time On I watched it. On trying to understand it. their accents. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? That is true. The pacing of All About My Mother was a bit different. I mean... The problem is All About My Mother just wowed me so damn much. But you're right. Ratcatcher does keep the attention. That's where I'm splitting my hairs. And if I'm, if for me, the best performance in either movie is in Ratcatcher. And that's kind of the deciding thing for me. Mm-hmm. Is that I just think <laughs> the main boy in Ratcatcher is the best performance mm-hmm. out of all of both of these films. Even though there are more memorable performances in All About My Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's where I'm leaning. It's really slim margins. I could go either way on this. I haven't let you talk about it, so I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> no, I mean, I do agree with everything that you're saying. I think, I don't know why, but I feel like my leaning would be all about my mother just simply because, like, it's what it did at the time is just crazy. Um, I think both of these films could come out now and you wouldn't be surprised, mm-hmm. but um, both of these films coming out in 99 all about my mother would be the one that's like whoa that's this is different um that's and actually right. i don't think it would be very well received for that reason but um did it one best foreign language film well there we go that's the only category that we're accepting of in the academy awards 
I agree with that. I do think, I don't know, this is really tough for me because those points that you brought up are right. Mm -hmm. I know. I am right. But that said, like, Ratcatcher is a fantastic film and I would not be sad to see it go along, you know? Yeah, I I guess this is, for me, Ratcatcher is my favorite movie in this. Mm -hmm. I just haven't. And that could just be because it's about a boy and... Mm -hmm. You like that, the boys. I mean, I do more like empathize more with the boy in Rancasher mm-hmm. than with the women in All About My Mother. And that could just be because I am a man watching and a movie a about man. a man. About a Scottish boy, right? And mm-hmm. it's, I am, Carolyn knows this, but I like movies that are pretty blatant with the point they're saying that align mm-hmm. with my values. And yeah. both of these movies do, but All About My Mother is way more of just you said a slice of life about and it meanders getting there but ratcatcher is like explicitly a director using their medium to make a point of being mm-hmm. like and i find that very engaging yes and i do find like i don't know from a filmmaking standpoint i would say ratcatcher is um more polished um more intentional with its angles and its cameras and its um you know scenery and everything like that like it is it feels artful i guess yeah and it will push more people away because of that whereas mm-hmm. all about my mother is more of like with all of all motivars films they're kind of they float along and they kind of like open you up and pull you in i mean a lot of people are uh, pushed away by that as well though <laughs> yeah it's yeah i i don't know this is this one's really difficult um mm-hmm. since we're on opposite ends here and i don't really <laughs> I'm fine with Ratcatcher going through. I think what it boils down to is I'm happy for Ratcatcher to go through, but I'm sad to lose all about my mother, you know? Yeah, I just, yeah, I I don't think, I feel like what everyone goes through, ultimately it's going to be like, man, the other one's also great and could be there. And it's well, just as good. that's where we're at in the bracket, right? Yeah, but I, I lean to Ratcatcher. Let's Ratcatch it then. Oh boy, that was, I don't like that. It wasn't even an attempt at a joke, and then it came out just sounding horrible. And it did. Weird in your mouth. It turns out that we determined it's not all about my mother. You should start with the next one. <laughs> okay. Um, so next one we have Peppermint Candy versus Princess Mononoke, or Princess Candy and Peppermint <laughs> Mononoke. Peppermint Mononoke. <laughs> that sounds like, a, like some pop singer, whereas Princess Candy sounds like something from Mario Brothers. It does. So, yes. Noodle Monster versus The Train. That's dark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to go from here. So, okay. These two films are also kind of hard to compare in the sense that Princess Mononoke, with the art and the story, and it feels like some historical elements and, like, the themes that are all brought in there. Um, and there's a lot to this story. And it's all very carefully crafted. And Peppermint Candy has a completely different structure, a much less polished feel to it. It definitely feels older. Like the film quality feels older and everything. So it's it's so hard to compare these from a purely artistic standpoint even. Um, and they're just so different. Um, but I mean, I did say it last time. I love the structure of Peppermint Candy. I think it's really interesting. But it's, it feels more like that feels a little more... Let me tell you a story about this guy I used to know. It's it's like that kind of vibe. And Princess Mononoke is like a grandmother telling a story to their grandson that's like a, you know, a fable. Um, they both have very like storyteller vibes to them, in my opinion. 
Yes, I I would agree with that. All I'll add is that um, Mononoke is like a subversion of the hero story, and I feel like the peppermint candy is... Not a very uh, lovable main character. No, but it's almost like a study in learning to empathize with everybody of being like people aren't people just don't people aren't just the way they always have been right like yes. they become this for a reason and it's and like people are flawed like everyone has their story and everyone yeah you're right everyone became this for a reason yeah and it's like and it, taking these images of this man's life and he is pretty shitty in most of them but it's because of stuff that happened earlier in his life and it's like you don't know the trauma that goes on anybody else's life that a lot of people go through, right? So it's like mm-hmm. when you meet somebody and for if they're like a later point, one of the, in a later, I guess in an earlier point of the movie, a later point in the man's life in Peppermint Candy, that's confused my brain for a second. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that dude sucks, right? Like yeah. if I met him then, he's like a piece of shit and I don't like him and he's a terrible husband. He's a terrible man. He's abusive. Mm-hmm. And there is no excuse for that. But mm-hmm. what made this man end up like this is interesting. And you can mm-hmm. still empathize with that. And it's still important and moving. Find it like other movies we talked about. It's like the very male point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The director is male. And I don't, that's not an, I don't want to attach it to Peppermint Candy because I don't think it's fair to the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. As I think stories of Peppermint Candy should be told a lot. Well, that's the thing. Is Peppermint Candy like, it's one story about one person. It's not like a movie about men by any means. It is very much like, yeah, you're right in that it's not really about the story or what happens in the story. It's about the message that you get from it, which mm-hmm. is that like, yeah, it's it's asking yourself the question of like, where did it all go wrong? Like people become this way because society and we make them this way, you know? Yeah. So it's less about, yeah, it doesn't really matter what happens in the story at all. It's about what, uh, what you learn from the movie. The telling yeah, of the story is more important than the story itself. Yeah, and it's constantly like pushing your opinion and assumptions of this man, right? You're like, oh, this dude sucks. He must have been this way his whole life. And then you show his life, right? And it's like, yeah. well, I kind of get it from what, how he ended up there. It's like he had the opportunity to not do those decisions, but I understand why he made those decisions mm-hmm. that then led for him to be this person and ultimately to the end of his life. But I, yeah, that's, I find that filmmaking like very and this is so fucking pretentious, very daring. Okay, I'm going to tell this story that would work just as well, maybe more emotionally affecting in mm-hmm. some ways if it was told chronologically. Yeah. But I'm going to put, put it in a way that is more, like meaningful. it's going to make you think meaningful, and it's going to make you think more, and it's going to leave you th- how I actually want you to feel leaving the f- film. Because I think if yeah. it was played the other way, right, you would just be like, man, that guy's life sucks, right? Yeah, it would just be a sad story feel bad that he didn't get help yeah whereas when you go in reverse it's more of like oh no this is what happens to a lot of young men right is that they get crushed or not not just men i should say a lot of young people is that they get crushed Mm -hmm. by the world Mm -hmm. and can't beat some of the stuff that happens to them it's just like that's i don't know how you the structure support the support and structure is not there needed to be able to properly care for this person Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that said all of this said both of these movies are awesome. Yes. In my opinion, Princess Mononoke is much more finessed, though. And again, this goes back to the same thing we said before, where Peppermint Candy feels early in a career. Very, very ambitious. Very interesting idea and concept. Um, way less polished. Oh, yeah. I think Pepper- Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Princess Mononoke is like, 
I mean, I've said that there's a lot of legendary directors that made films during this time, but Miyazaki is certainly one of them. And this is one of his best works, mm-hmm. if not the best. And it is, it's not, I don't find it messy. I find it, there is messiness in it, but it is purposely like that. Yeah. Whereas in Peppermint Candy, I don't know. And maybe it's because I've seen the director's other work and he, like, there's better movies he's made than Peppermint Candy. Yes. And there's growth. And Mononoke, if not, is, I mean, again, both of these directors, every movie they've made has been great. So it's splitting hairs, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I also, you, everybody knows my opinion. I'm on an okay. I adore the film. <laughs> I, I, it's like hard. For, I run out of things to say about how much I love it. I can't just phrase it in another way. Yeah. So Princess Mononoke is Princess More Than Okay. And shall oh, we moving on? Fucking Christ. <laughs> how dare you? Okay. Peppermint Candy's going through. Just I can't. So I don't do anything like that again. Yeah. I, I suddenly hate Mononoke now. That's. <laughs> Carolyn's ruined it for me. But no, I if you're leaning Mononoke, I'm also leaning Mononoke. Yeah, I'd say let's let's do it. Just cuz Peppermint Candy to me like it does feel a little bit more outdated, not in its content, just in its it's like filmmaking. Yes. It's uh yeah, I would agree with that. But man, I love the concept. I do. Well, you love the movie too. Yeah. I I I don't know about you, but I love all four of these films. I love all four of these films, too. All right. So we have Ratcatcher versus Mononoke. I just feel like I got my movies I wanted and you didn't get your movie. I think that's exactly what happened yet. I mean, we can do all about my mother then. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's all good. Because I, I do feel like it's these are like the two James favorites. And I don't think they're the two Carolyn favorites. I loved these movies. I think all four of these films are are fantastic. And I loved the the problem is I loved the content of All About My Mother and Peppermint Candy, um, but I just didn't love the content as much. As, or sorry, I didn't love the execution as much as I loved the content. I mean, we can just say All About My Mother wins the whole thing. Yeah, but Ratcatcher and Princess Mononoke are in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, we have Ratcatcher and Princess Mononoke. Um, this is a weird face off because these movies are really different. Yeah, they're very different. And they're both really good. I think they're the both like the top of what they do, you know? Yeah, at the top of the class, basically. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know with this one. I really enjoyed them both. Um, I mean, Princess Mononoke is a little bit less depressing, but it does make you think in a lot of different ways in, in terms of like, you're right in that it doesn't make you think about like an issue. It makes you think about like human nature and morality yeah. and what's good and what's wrong and that, that sort of thing. So it's more mm-hmm. of an internal look, whereas Ratcatcher is a bit more of a political conversation. So they both say things. They both say important things. They just both are saying very different things. Yes. Uh, Ratcatcher definitely has like a distinct political point of view. and Yeah, for sure. It, there's, that's not up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But the character's actions are up for interpretation. Yeah. In the film. Whereas Mononoke is everything's up for interpretation right mm-hmm. it's very much like the ambiguity of what it's trying to say although it's saying it's like leaving you up to decide ultimately what it's trying to say although it guides you heavily in a direction everything about all of the characters reactions are like well was that the right thing to do or not i don't but the thing with princess mononoke too is you could just watch it and if you don't feel like thinking about it you could get nothing oh yeah you it, can you know 
you could just be like, like wow that was a cool action-ish movie yeah you could just enjoy the story without um you know the introspection it's definitely an easier watch yes which i i mean that's the first time i saw someone okay i was a child and did not understand a large portion of the message although i mm-hmm. i i i got it without being able to like properly find the words to voice it i think is the right way to being is like that felt like because again you and i when we were children you watch a lot of movies with like the archetypical hero going to save the day right yeah and even at that time at that what a young age when i watched it for the first time i was like well i don't know if that felt the same as other ones right it mm-hmm. kind of st- sticks with you and you're like did he save the day mm-hmm. i thought he was the hero and mm-hmm. i do think that's like movies should do that all the time make you question your own opinions and stances on stuff mm-hmm. and i still think mononoke does that although i have like a i am pretty confident in my opinion on it since i've seen it mo- so many times now mm-hmm. and i do enjoy watching it more than rat catcher because it's mononoke is beautiful and it's an easier watch it's just less less heavy on the heart yeah it's 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 more in- visually engaging for sure yeah. It's like, oh my God, look at this art and look at how beautiful all of these landscapes are. And the movie knows that and plays mm-hmm. into it. And then Ratcatcher's like, okay, let's strap in for trash, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that Princess Mononoke can be watched with like an introspective eye, but also without an introspective eye, do you think that makes it a stronger film or a weaker film? I don't know. I don't think it, it does either way, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I think both movie. I think both sides of the, both sides are valid in that i mm-hmm. i like both is my answer i do think mononoke work for, i don't think this is something we should this is not how we should split the hairs for these movies but i don't <laughs> think just because mononoke is watchable by more people than Ratcatcher does not mean it's better mm-hmm. it means it's more populist yeah yeah but ultimately i feel at least personally to me that the message that I take out of Mononoke is more impactful than the one out of Ratcatcher. And that the fact that Mononoke is trying is a bigger story trying to grapple with more and is also capable of doing the tiny story at the same time. Whereas Ratcatcher is a pretty specific point of time story about a specific country, which then can be taken to all places in the world but mm-hmm. it isn't a very tiny story about one boy's journey through like six months of his life and showing smaller scale yeah and both of them can be being like this is the experience of lots of people mm-hmm. yeah I, I think i i think i agree with that in that yeah Ratcatcher, fantastic foreign film everything that i want from an international feature um and i think that people people should definitely watch it for that because there's so much there and it, it, you know what it tells us about the garbage strikes which i didn't know about um it talks about childhood and it's relatable in that sense um but I do and not think showing it as to be rosy yes yes definitely and not just like hard because they're low income like we see lots of stories where it's like oh your life sucks because you're low income that's not true like it, it kind of shows that life is just hard when you're a kid because it can be it just might be hard because there's bullies and there's girls and there's, you know, confusion about you and you lose your friends and, you know, like it's trying to be a nice kid versus trying to fit in. And yeah, it, it shows a lot of stuff that's not to do with the fact that they are lower income. Yeah. Yeah. But Princess Mononoke, I think there definitely is something to be said for the fact that you can see it with um, 
with all the stuff that it's grappling with. Um, and I, and I do think it is more blanket relatable. Um, and that everyone will get something different from that film. I think with Ratcatcher, you either get something from that film or you don't. Whereas Princess Mononoke, there's a bunch of different things that you can like different touch points that you can kind of latch onto that can connect to different people in different ways. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, we could always do <laughs> the, the famous Oscars thing, which is like Princess Mononoke's best picture, but Ratcatcher won best director. <laughs> and uh, Peppermint Candy, or like uh, All About My Mother had the best uh, lead performance by an actress, <laughs> right? And then it's like, it's you just, you sprinkle it around. Split the vote. <laughs> yeah, you split the vote, essentially. Mm-hmm. I lean towards Mononoke because of what you said. And that's kind of... Well, I do too, because I said it. Wow. <laughs> so Mono, I, I, if that's what you want, then I'm good, obviously, with it. I, it's, it honestly is the, I don't know. I keep going back and forth so much because then I think about Ratcatcher and I'm like, oh, but this and this and this was really mm-hmm. good. It's hard. It's very it hard. It's incredibly hard. But I think in terms of story, they're pretty even, or I don't know, maybe in terms of like, in terms of telling me something new, I'd say Ratcatcher's ahead. In terms of approachability, I would say Mononoke's ahead. I don't know. It's so tough, but I think. And this is such a stupid thing to boil it down to, but like with the art and the the lasting watchability of Mononoke, like mm-hmm. people know this film. There's a reason people know this film. And there's a reason that it first was released in 1997 and then 1999 here. And there's a reason that still people know this as like one of the best animated films. And it's been 20 years. Yeah. I agree you with know, that. so I would say because of those, like, it's very, very tiny things that are. I think Mononoke's ahead in some categories, Ratcatcher's ahead in some categories, but I think if you just tally it all up, it maybe wins by like half of a hair. You know? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I last thing I'll say about it is that at the climaxes of these movies and Ratcatcher, when James, the young boy, is like sitting on there and he's like going through his life that have led him to this and he like jumps into the water and he sinks and then you, the new place that his family lives in and everything. I am so consciously aware of like James's character arc to get him there, but I didn't really feel like there was a ton of personal growth for him. It's more of like all of this stuff has been put on him that has put him here, right? But I mm-hmm. don't really feel like he himself has changed personally that much. Mm-hmm. And in Princess Mononoke, Ashitaka, when him and San are trying to stop the destruction of everything and they're holding up, this is weird, like holding up the head of, uh, or trying to present something away from like the goop that is flowing all over the world, essentially. And it's like, ultimately what Ashitaka needed to realize that in order to do this, he had to like give up all of uh, his surrounding stuff he had to be like nobody essentially right he had mm-hmm. to be one with like the decision that he's making and it's like there's a definitive character of being like he thinks he's always doing the right thing for him mm-hmm. coming to realize that no even if the right thing to do is maybe not the right thing that he would do right but ultimately what he needs to figure out is that if he wants to do this he has to it might not be the thing that he would do at the beginning of the, like at the beginning of the film he kills that he kills that boar infected boar because he's per- saving his village but also because he wants to yeah and he didn't have to kill at that moment but he decided to and that action had consequences where at the end of the movie 
he is doing that because it is the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. Not because he wants to do it as well. It's like, this is just what I have to do, right? It's like, I don't think this is... Like, I he's not doing this because it's cool, essentially. Is that kind of where I split hairs? And then he's like, in that big moment of being like, it's like, oh, the they're saving. Like, they're trying to save people, but they're still fighting. I'm thinking about that journey. Whereas yeah, Ratcatcher, I'm just think I'm just being with James's journey. And I think maybe because it's trying to take on more, that's where I'm putting it through. That was a long-winded way of saying that. But <laughs> uh while we finished this, finally, it took we years. Did. We and did. And now Carolyn and I are going to the next thing we're gonna be doing is a <laughs> mini one on Cruella. A bit of, of all a change. Things. Here's the best movies of 1999, and now to Cruella Deville. Yeah, the new live action uh, Cruella. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we'll be doing. We'll figure out something, another series thing to do. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we're just going to be doing like movies that come out and that we want to talk about essentially because it is reaching Oscar season, and we yes. love talking about Oscar films. So we'll be doing that while we figure out something else to do and. The next thing we probably bigger thing we try to do probably won't happen until after the Oscars would be my guess. Yeah, so expect a lot of mini sods coming up, um, as we like doing those because they're uh, fast and fun, and it means we get to watch a lot of Oscar picks and like a Halloween thing because October's coming up. So Carolyn will want to watch spooky movies. I'm sure spooky movies. Oh, I watched the- Predator yesterday. Wow. Okay, I cannot. We cannot. We cannot do this now. Okay. <laughs> we need. We're gonna table that for the next one. I can't spend <laughs> another thirty minutes <laughs> talking to you. Uh, I. So, you can find me all over the internet at James Willix, except for Twitter, where the O is zero, and you can find Carolyn at Carolyn Dunk ninety three all over the internet, and no zeros, just Carolyn Dunk ninety three. And you can find this podcast in all places. Uh, you can send an email at letswatchpod at gmail and thank you for listening. And I can't believe that All About My Mother has won. <laughs> it's Blair Witch. Oh, you're right. Sorry. It's Blair Witch. I feel like we need triumphant music here. Oh, I'm not going to put that in post. How dare you? No, I expected you to sing. Okay, I'm stopping. <laughs>